everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom. This is our podcast for the Elizabethtown Church of God House Churches, where we're looking to deepen our relationships within our community by learning about each other through empathy and encouragement. Today, you're here with Ian. I'm Andy. I'm Aubrey. And we're going to have at this. This is the first podcast that we're doing. This was a big idea that we had when Andy came on board, and we're going to wing it tonight. So bear with us tonight as we go through our testimonies, some ideas on memories, some ideas on foundations, and just look to strengthen our bonds within our church. Andy, kick it off for us. Number one. Number one. We'll start at the beginning. Hello and intro to the podcast. Is that what you're talking about? No. Hello, my name is, and I am part of Blank House Church. Oh, because <laughs> oh, you have two number ones on the on the, on this paper here. Uh, so I was se- looking the at the second wrong one. number one. Sorry. All right, we'll go to the second number one. <laughs> Hi, my name is Andy, and I'm part of the Anchor House Church. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I am. I would say I'm pretty familiar with podcasts, uh, considering Ian and I both did. Uh, we did it for two years, I think, a year and a half. We did it for a while. We did it for a while. We had like 70-some episodes. Uh, I would recommend The Greatest Music Podcast, which that is the podcast that we did, which is no longer a thing. Uh, but I would also recommend a podcast called No Dumb Questions. I've been um, a supporter of them. It's two gentlemen that uh, are good friends, and they just um, one is a science guy, one is a humanities guy, and they just talk about life and how those things correlate. That's a good one. Yeah. You're next. Uh, I'm Aubrey, and I'm (coughs) part of Potter's House Church. I am zero familiar with podcasts. I've never listened to a podcast. This is my first anything to do with podcasts. And here Um, you are. And here I am. Yeah. I would have to recommend this podcast because it is literally the only one I know. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Uh, and I'm Ian. I'm also part of the we're Anchor House Church. Yeah. Anchor was... House Church. Um, on a scale of one to 10, I'm an eight or a nine, I would say. I'm sure there's more I could learn and be involved in podcasts, but I've been involved in a podcast. I'm now currently involved in a podcast. And I like to listen to podcasts. Uh, <laughs> podcasts, everyone. Um, I'd recommend, I really like the Robcast. Um, uh, Rob Bell, and some people like him, some people hate him, but I think he does a great job. And that would be the one I would recommend. So the whole reason that we're doing this podcast is that we, we want house churches to get to know the other people in the houses. And we know that that can get really weird and very uncomfortable when we do our large gatherings because you're just supposed to like cold sit with somebody. It's like the the old, uh, everybody turn around and greet the person behind you. This is our time of greeting on Sunday morning. Which I'm a really extroverted, extroverted person, and I dislike that very much. It's, it's like a forced thing, and I just don't like that. I want to to be natural, to sit down and, and get to know people. And I know my introvert, introverted wife really despises those things. Like she, have you seen that meme where it talks about um, uh, me preparing to greet those around me uh, as an introvert? It was like a time schedule. It was like somebody's <laughs> calendar. And yes. it was like starting at 6 a.m. preparing for greet those around you. And there's like 10, 15, greet those around you. And then it's like 1130, recover from greeting those around you. It was the best part about being in the worship team. 
we had music right after time of greeting. I did not have to go down and greet anybody. Were you were you around for times of greeting, or did we get away from that before you? I don't remember any deliberate like. Oh man, let's greet everybody. Times. Oh yeah, oh you would know if you were. <laughs> you would know it was a thing. It, it was a thing. It was announced and it happened, and you were expected to extend hands and shake and I'm ask of all piece. of the niceties. Well, past the peace was something completely know, that... different that the Catholic Church did, and it was. I understand that. I don't understand fake friendship. What were you going to say, Aubrey? It doesn't seem that bad to just say hi to the people around me. (laughs) Yeah, but that is, it's just developing very, very, very shallowness. Like, you can't get anything done in 30 Mm -mm. seconds other than saying, hey, how are you? And that's, you know, the biggest American one of the biggest American flaws of what's wrong. I've heard it said by multiple people, what's wrong with Americans? They ask you how you're doing and then they don't tell no. you what, yeah. how they're actually really doing. We've actually talked about that at our house church. But yeah, and I will purposefully sometimes say off the wall stuff just to see if anybody's actually listening. Yeah, it's weird. So what we're doing with this podcast is trying to get far away from that in a somewhat detached mood, which I know is an oxymoron and weird, but if we can have people on this show, and then you will know something about them and you'll understand a little bit more about them. You'll hear their voice from some. We hope to glean wisdom. Um, and when we get the kids on, we hope to get some new and crazy and fun ideas and um, really just for our church to grow and expand and understand who we are as a larger community and not just a small group. So that's why I'm here. Um, that's why I think this is important for everybody. Um, and I think we'll get there. Maybe not this episode, but I think in the future. (laughs) Because the first time I ever met Aubrey was at Food Pantry. Now, I had seen her around quite a bit. But at Food Pantry one week, she had a Nirvana t-shirt on. And that threw me off because I really like Nirvana. But she she talks Southern, which to me didn't equate to Nirvana. (laughs) Um, And she had this weird draw to her voice. And it was very intriguing because as the weeks went on, um, she would ask me, Sometimes questions about church, and sometimes questions about Jesus, and sometimes questions about God, and sometimes questions about what Dave said, all while I'm trying to get done with food pantry. And so it created this awkward space for me because I'm, I'm a task-oriented person. I like to check things off my list and get them done, um, and I like to have fun while I'm doing that. But more importantly, I need to know that my list is getting finished. So the closer people are to me, the more I will tell them to be quiet and get back to work. But Aubrey, who I didn't know, I I tried to entertain some of these questions. But the problem was I found myself going back and forth between, am I witnessing to Aubrey? Do I need to do the Christian Jesus thing and and tell her the the correct answer? And does it need to be cool? And does it need to like to slide in under the radar? Do I need to do like some some Christian gymnastics on this? Um, But Aubrey was the first person in my life as an adult since moving here to Elizabethtown that I really found myself trying to sell church to. And it got weird for me because I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't know what my role was. Um, And I found sort of myself tailspinning, which isn't normal for me at all. I'm usually very grounded in who I am and what I'm doing and why. But my first interaction, I guess you would say, I, I just remember her wearing this Nirvana shirt. I remember she had her lip pierced. I remember her hair was tossed to the side. And I remember she was very intent on just doing the food pantry thing, which really threw me off because I didn't know, was she here in community service or yada, 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 or what was going on? But that was my first memory of you. 
Did you pick up on any of that? No, I was actually just thinking none of that, none of that came across. I oh. didn't notice you like <laughs> tail spinning or any of that. It, it was a total <laughs> train wreck in my brain. I wasn't, I couldn't figure it out. Like I didn't know. I, and I think part of it for me was I was trying to do something. Like I wasn't just interacting. I wasn't just doing food pantry. I wasn't just being me. I was trying to be me to get you Jesus. Like I was like, I think that's what it came back to like over and over again, rather than just being me with the Jesus inside of me, I was trying to give you the Jesus I thought you wanted. That was the cool Jesus who would wear a Nirvana t-shirt who would come from Texas for some reason up to Pennsylvania. Um, And it really messed with me for a while. Like it, it, because you became more and more involved and I saw you more and more often and then you were in the church and then you were talking about this and then you were asking me about stuff Dave said and I I wouldn't know how to answer some of it because I, I sometimes have to stop and think about things that Dave had said for a while and be like, I'm not sure where this came from or why or wow, that really blew my mind. And I don't know if I'm like ready to explain that back out to somebody else. Um, what? I think that's a, it's what we're trying to to get away from what we're trying to do as house churches. I know it in exactly all of this is it is not a big blanket over invitation and we're not trying to see people as projects and we need to get you established, but it is us developing relationships just out of natural life. Uh, who are we involved with and then being the best example of Christ that we can be. You know, we are we are told to be the ambassadors, the representatives and we know what it is, but we don't have to. We just have to be that. And uh, I've heard other people say, "Live a life that begs the question. Mm. That begs the question. Just why? Why are you the way that you are? And then you can, out of that relationship, then you can go. Well, there's this guy named Jesus, and you can go from there. Well, they begged. I think they did a great job, and they begged lots of questions. I had lots of questions, and you know me now. I I have a question. I'm just gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> so, good I, I tend to just say. Whatever comes to mind when it comes to mind, and I'm a curious person. I just had lots of questions. Everybody answered my questions, though. It was it was beautiful. Everybody did a good job, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so. Good. So, so did you have any uh, Jesus connection before the food pantry? I know sort of the question we we're going to throw is what's the first me- memory you have of Jesus? Was that here in this food pantry, or did you have something else? Or I know that's kind of like a big loaded question. You can go whatever avenue you think works best. Um, well, no, it wouldn't be the food pantry isn't even one of my first. Because the if, if, if we're talking about the first time that I, like, knew that Jesus was there and I recognized Jesus for what he is, then that would be the moment that I surrendered and accepted him and was like, you know, I, I asked in prayer for a question and got my answer. Um, what did I, that mean? I feel like everybody's heard this part of the story. <laughs> yeah, but wait, but let's dig a little bit. What what okay. is what is surrender? What were you surrendering to? Like when you say that, what what does that mean to you? Because um, I feel like that's something we say a lot in church, but I don't think people say that with the intent to ever unpack it. They're just like, I surrendered to Jesus, and I gave well, my life to it means different things to different people. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I want to know. For me, it was very much a like surrender where I felt like I had been being stubborn because I, at that point, 
I fully believed in God and the God that you guys believed in because I was certain that he had brought me here to this church family and this church. And obviously you guys know the right God, otherwise, why would he bring me here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so. we, we know we go way back. So I, uh, you know, I had come to that conclusion, but for some reason, I I couldn't wrap my heart around Jesus. I was like, I don't know, I just didn't get it. And I, why does he what he did equal me saved? And um, that was my biggest question. I think that is exactly what I asked God. It helped me ask wrap my heart around. Jesus, because I feel like I still don't get it, and I want to be on board with you, you know? Um, and and then that's when I got my answer, where Dave was like, do you have a worksheet? And I didn't, of course. And when I got my worksheet, it was a list of theories of atonement, how Jesus equals me saved. And I'm kind of like, is this really a worksheet on my, what I just asked God? <laughs> Did, Did God I really just, just really, get homework here? <laughs> Did he just really give me a worksheet answer? Like I'm I'm absorbing this and then Dave gets up there and starts talking about the cell phone and how like we don't know how it works exactly, but we know that it does and we trust that it does and it's the same thing with atonement and Jesus, you know, saving us how we're saved. And it just blew my mind. I got chills and I was like, I got it. You know, I felt like, well duh. If I know all this other stuff, why am I hanging on so hard to like, I don't understand the mechanism by which I'm saved. And that's the thing that's keeping me here. <laughs> like, right. Like, the, uh, like you the, are saved. Like, that's the thing we should be <laughs> celebrating. And so I just felt stupid. And I like, you know, I, like I said, chills and tears and like, duh, God, okay, I got it. Thank you. <laughs> and so that was it. And I knew it was him. And I, I got the whole thing. But before that, I know that, you know, it was God that made me stop drinking, even though I, it took me like a whole nother year to realize that or however long. I didn't even consider it could have been God. I just thought I woke up and didn't want to drink, and I had no idea why. <laughs> just thought that was on me. <laughs> I, well, I didn't understand why. Yeah. It was just kind of like, I mean, I didn't think it was God because there were that wasn't an option. I just didn't think. Never crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I, it took me a while. And so, but I know for sure that was him. That was the first big thing he did recently. And then when I finally got to know him, I realized that um, it felt familiar. And I remember a lot the little blip of light I've talked about when I was with my grandparents. And all my life, I've always said that that was like the only time of light in my life. But I just thought it was them because they were really awesome, beautiful people. They, I thought, were the only Christians in the world that were really true Christians like Christians were supposed to be. And I think when I was with them, I kind of knew him, you know? Yeah, you and saw I, him, or yeah. nothing else. Yeah, and I turned away at some point and forgot all about him and decided it wasn't real. And But when I got to know him again, it was like I remembered suddenly. Yeah. So that would be the first thing that I really know he was oh. there. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing that then you can look in the rearview mirror because I know that's a how I would put it is when 
you go through a bunch of stuff and then you finally look backwards and then you go, oh, it's like connect the dots. Like I can see clearly enough to connect the, I mean, you've just talked about that. Like, <laughs> oh, he was there like years before me even realizing it. And I mean, I've seen that in, in ways too of just going through crazy different difficulties and stuff. And then once you're through it on the other side and you feel like it's a, a, a big memory, you can just go, oh, wow, you were there. I didn't even recognize mm-hmm. you were working in that situation right there. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what, give us one of those foundational memories. Give us one of those first memories with Jesus. Uh, I mean, if you want to go first memories. Um, well, I, so, so church and Jesus were definitely separate for a while. Because uh, I remember playing Hot Wheels and Christmas Eve service on the back of the pews when I was a little kid, and it's just what you did at Christmas, and there was no, I didn't understand God or Jesus or any God's of that stuff. The yeah, you know that's that's what it was. But um, kind of the first things were in middle school, high school. I had a friend named Jason, and he's like, "I'm in this youth group. You should come along." And the first thing I, I showed up, and the first thing we did was a, a trip to a haunted house. At at a uh, Halloween time down in West York or East York somewhere past a paper mill I don't know, um, and then uh, there was uh, the youth group leader his name was Kenny and he was just a sweet and kind man he kept asking us to asking me to come to Sunday morning church and it didn't necessarily it's more glorified now looking back but. My sister at the same time lived across the street from the same church, and she, the house next to their house was the associate minister's, the associate pastor's house. George Spangler, I know mm-hmm. you know who that he is. Uh, he, he leads a turning point church now over Mechanicsburg. And they became friends, and they got my sister to show up to church, and then my friend got me to show up to church, and then we kind of both showed up and did that thing where you look at each other like, what are you doing here? I don't know. What are you doing here? Um, but but the real moment, I think, it was, and I got to share this with him, um, up at Camp Elijua in 1997. I was there for the week of camp. The late and 1900s. It, yeah, the late 1900s. <laughs> it was smoking hot that week. It was like upper, middle 90s just so hot and sticky like Pennsylvania can get in the summer sometimes. I know you're laughing at us because te- you're like, you Pennsylvanians, tech, that's nothing. You've never been to Texas, apparently. But uh, the one evening, uh, Glenn was the speaker, and I see what he was doing, but it, it really connected. He had a, a glass of ice water and was just talking about Jesus being uh, the living water that refreshes your soul. And at the time, we were crazy hot and sweating and, and and the analogy just just hit like the cell phone in the worksheet mm-hmm. and um what a really neat thing was just this past year went to family camp up there I was helping lead the Vesper service and Glenn was there and we were walking up the hill on the first night and going to get the big group picture and and he said something to somebody else and I immediately recognized his voice I was like are you Glenn Glenn Peck and he's like yeah I was like in 19 and I got to tell him the whole story and like we're walking up the hill and like he's crying he's like are you serious that's amazing like I 
I was just doing the job at that moment, and I didn't even realize that. So it was just this neat full circle kind of moment. Wow. Yeah. You, you don't you don't realize who you're impacting when you do do those things and speaking and the tiny little things that you do that make such a big difference to somebody else. That is, it's weird. Mm. I'm sure that some of those questions that you answered that you tell were tail spinning about or like the perfect answer or like some something that got me thinking that got me closer to Christ for sure. So I remember when you taught in the Genesis bit that you said a whole bunch of stuff then that got me thinking that I still remember but I can't remember right now. <laughs> Comes up sometimes though. I'll be like, I remember when <laughs> Ian said <laughs> How about you, Ian? How about first memory? Yeah, well, really, I don't know if I can if I can get in on that. Those were good. <laughs> Those are really good. I was over here like I went to church camp and they threw water on the fire and it burned anyway, which is probably a lie. It probably wasn't water, but um, I don't know. So my grandparents <laughs> took me to church when I was little. This is sort of my stock answer for a lot of this, but um, my parents got divorced when I was really young. I don't remember much of that, but. Um, I always went to church with my dad's parents. I live with my mom, and I went to church with my dad's parents, uh, Nikki's parents. Um, and they would take me to church, and it was time I could see my dad, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and so there's just always kind of this thing. My, my mom has a lot of really glorified stories of me saying things about Jesus when I was a small child. My mom embellishes a lot of things. So there's probably some truth in them. There's probably not... But I've never had a time in my life where I wasn't aware of something, you know, like I didn't have Hot Wheels at Charmerstown Church of God. We weren't mm-hmm. allowed to do that. I had to draw on the back the offering envelopes. So like it was because they were white on the back. So it was like the only thing you could draw on. And we had little mm-hmm. golf pencils back there to like you could write prayer requests and things like that. So I would draw on that. Those were some early Jesus memories of just like um, – my mom had a lot of really bad boyfriends, not a lot of really bad, a few very bad boyfriends. They were all bad. Um, so it was always an escape. There was always a, a safety in in church and community there that I've always um, really held on to. I, I knew I wasn't, like, nobody was getting beat up at church. That was A-OK with me. Like, I will go there because... I can do that. People are somewhat nice. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's not fists of flying and things like that. Um, so, but I, I think the first time God really got to me, um, where it was, I, where it was life changing, was we, I took a job at a church in New York, um, and it started because I, I was on tour. I was playing uh, solo shows after my band had broken up. And um, I showed up to a gig um, on the Lower East Side in the village, and I was there like three hours early, and they're like, get out of Dodge. Like, you can come back 45 minutes before you're set. Like, we don't have room for you right now. So no room in the inn, if you will. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, what the heck? Like, my two friends were with me. One was carrying those big plastic tote bins of T-shirts, you know, and the other one had the bin full of CDs, and I had a guitar in each hand. And we're like, whatever, like, we're too cool for school. Like, we leave the place thinking we're like, we're rock stars. And I make a right out of out of the bitter end, 
and I'm walking down the block and we come to the corner and I wreck this poor lady with with her kid in a stroller, like wreck them, <laughs> like guitars into the stroller. It half tips over. She's trying to catch it. I'm dropping the guitar, trying to catch it. And she just looks at me and she says, do you play the guitar? <laughs> and, and I did well because I didn't call her names and tell her that's the dumbest question you could ask. Of course I do. I have two of my hands. I, I just held them up. I was like, yeah, I play the guitar. And she's like, oh, you know, are you playing in the city tonight? And I'm like, yeah, I got a gig over here in about three hours. And she's like, oh, you should come chill out at our church for a while till your set comes up. And I was like, I should come chill out at your church till the set comes up. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, it's just right, it's just halfway down the block here, just right around the corner. I was like, all right, come sit down. She's like, just put your stuff in the back. We we walk up on this the Players Theater. You know, it seats like 50, 60 people, and it's decked out with candles. Like, it is, it is goth-tastic, I'll tell you <laughs> what. Like, it was, it was not my cup of tea. There was a dude... Who is leading the music up front? And, I'll, and I'll, I'm doing huge air quotes, everybody. He has a tom, <laughs> a floor tom, like tom drum on the floor, a stick, and he's hitting it one handed, like robot looking, hitting this, chanting this thing on the screen, not English, not English at all. Like he just, you know, ba ba da ba da, and he's hitting it. And I sit down, and all I can hear while he's doing this is pack your bags, you're coming home. Pack your bags, you're coming home. Um, and it was my own voice. It was weird. Like, I'd never talked to myself like that. Usually I can be like, no, be quiet, you. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's a weird thing to say. But I, I couldn't get it out of my head. And um, Dennis, the pastor there, came up to me a little bit later, and he's like, hey, you know, like, my wife said you're playing, you know, down the street here in a little bit. Can I come see your set? And I was like, yeah, come down and see it. Like, sweet, I sold two tickets to this show. <laughs> like, um so we do that, and you know, we're talking afterward. He's like, "We'd love to have you come play music sometime." You know, like, where do you live? And I'm like, "I live in Pennsylvania." And he's like, "Oh, you're not from around here?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> not from around here." Um, but long story short, um, as if me talking to myself incessantly, you know, like, "Pack your bags, it's time to come home." Um, I went back and I was like, "Tiff, I'm, I got another gig up in New York. You want to come along?" And my wife, who doesn't leave the house unless it's the end of the world, was like, "Yeah, sure, let's go. It'll be fun." I'm like, what do you mean, let's go, it'll be fun? Like, you're supposed to say no, I'm staying with the dog. Like, If you guys know what it is to get my wife to come places, it's not easy. Um, but she just up and she went. She has to be really interested or really like the people. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be something to get her out of the house. Um, but yeah, she's like, yeah, let's just go do it. Like, Like it was the best idea I'd ever had in my whole life. And I had invited her to every other show up and down the country, and she had never wanted to go to any of them. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was that, and then he's like, hey, you know, like, our, our we had to fire our worship leader. I was like, yeah, it was kind of weird. He was just hitting the drum. He's like, yeah, he kind of went off the deep end with things like that, and we were looking for somebody else. We were praying that day for God to send us a guitar player, um, you know, so that we would know. Hence the question. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and it all just started to come together because I was like— I just, ever since I sat down there, I was told, like, to pack my bags. I'm coming home. So I was like, even if I'm not going to be your worship leader, like, I'm here for it. Like, um, and so Tiff's like, I asked her that night, like, outside of all that conversation, I was like, what do you think? She's like, I just felt like this was home and we're supposed to move. And I'm like, <laughs> like all right, let's do it. And then wow. things got really weird after that. But that's a whole other story. But that in my, I think I was 21 or 22, that was when I knew, like, there are things that happen. Like, 
I always had the the God that was, you know, outside of everything. It was just like, all oh, right, you know, like, look, I made people. Look, I made the earth. It's great. This is awesome. But then I, that was the moment when I, when I knew that this God does things and wants to do things and has plans for things um, that he's going to do. Like, and it wasn't a, if it happens, it happens. Like, um, and so we could be a part of those things. And so that's the first, my first real big relationship memory, apart from the keeping me safe as a small child, which I think is what I needed growing up. Like, I don't think I could have handled much more Jesus on top of that. Um, but yeah, that was my first thing. That's awesome. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think of it as, and I think about my own story, and it sounded like it's the same for you guys. There's there's a moment where the faith is this external thing, or you 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 would know it with your brain, and then there's a moment. I I had a, a and I don't I won't extend it, but the, I had a year where I did a thing, and. Um, I traveled in a music <laughs> ministry group, and it was, I say, it was the, the time that I took the inherited faith and I made it my own. And I think that's that's the neat part. I mean, it's all three of us have this story, and it doesn't have to be in a magical story. Like, I'm impressed sometimes when people are like, I started going to church, you know, as soon as I was big enough to go. Like, my parents took me in the, in the, in the car seat, and I've just always been a part of it and it's always been a thing and that's amazing miracle as well i don't have um, that endurance y- yeah and <laughs> i mean that's so it doesn't have to be a great amazing like he crossed your path with a person on new york city or uh made you stop drinking after how many dozens of years <laughs> or or whatever it is it, i mean those things are amazing as well but it's this whole spectrum of of god reaches out to each individual person in, in interesting and unique ways. And I think him. he's always doing it. Like, that yeah. was the big takeaway, I think, from what Aubrey was saying. Like, yeah. this is, like, I didn't realize that's what happened until later, you know? Like, and it's true. Like, the Bible says every good and perfect gift is from the Lord. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's all he does, you know? And it's just, I think a lot of it's just whether we recognize it and give him credit for it, you know? Like... Definitely. Yeah. Like, you woke up and decided I wasn't going to drink anymore, and then a year later you realized, oh, God made me stop drinking, mm-hmm. you know, and it's... And I've realized many times, you know, little things throughout my life, he's kept me safe and brought me people that I needed at a certain time or that needed me. Uh, I've always been kind of a caregiver, and there's many times when I've taken care of people that nobody else would, and so I think that's him too. Yeah. Even when I didn't know I was being used, I was being used. He was being used hard, and you didn't even know it. I yeah. didn't even know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So. I don't know if we say any more than that. I think that's great. I think that's a lot to take in for one night. I feel like you got a good piece of Andy. You got a good piece of Aubrey, a piece of myself. That should help with conversations. Yeah. yeah. So I think what's the encouragement to just look back and think about our own first memory? Yeah. Of Jesus. Yeah, I think thinking about about your your um oh testimony, that's the word we were talking about. Thinking about your testimony as like a memory, you know, like what what are your first memories? You know, I think is a great way 
to kind of go about it rather than like, what was the time I accepted Jesus? Like, what was the time that you started to realize that, oh, he was doing all of this, you know, and it was all going somewhere because I think that's what we miss a lot in our life. Like, we're, we're going somewhere, people, mm-hmm. every single one of us, and our church is going somewhere. And now that I know that he's alive and active and engaged, I look for him everywhere, and I, I see him everywhere. It's amazing. It is. It's pretty wild. And the crazier you sound saying those things, too. Like, <laughs> no, that was Jesus. We was just over there I doing know. that. What, what are you talking about? Jesus? Yes, Jesus. Why we were having, not? Yeah. We and were having pizza. Sometimes you don't realize until later, so why not go ahead and assume that when you don't realize it, it might be him, too? You're this right. great thing was him. Yes. Of course. Why not? <laughs> yes. You may or may not realize that for certain it actually was him later, but I like to assume that. <laughs> I take it. <laughs> All right, guys. So what are your memories with Jesus? Go with that this week. And we'll catch up next week with our special guest who is yet to be determined. We'll do this. Yeah, we've got a couple other people lined up that we want to do the same sort of conversation with. And it might not be all three of us on the con- – but just a couple conversations – with different people from our, our different houses to just get to know them as we, we are all thinking about testimony and witness. And so, yes, it's these big moments as well, but it's also in the, the smaller extensions into the relationships that we have as well. Yeah. Cool. Anything else, Aubrey? Do you want me to tell you what my first memory of you guys Yes. <laughs> just Andy, not me. Just Andy. I want to know both, Andy's. I mean, they're small, but they're both related to Zelda, which is funny. Oh. Because you, like, I spotted from a distance you were wearing your, like, favorite Zelda shirt, and I was like, that guy's cool. I have cool. two of them. He's, like, he's wearing, you know, and I, I like, looked for T-shirts. the opportunity That's a weird to tell thing. you that my daughter's name was Zelda. Of course, for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you... Weren't a Zelda fan, which was crazy. And Very then unfortunate. You, like, came. I've changed my ways. I know. I, we, me and Zelda were talking about this the other day. Do you remember when you came back with your stuff from Ohio and you didn't remember her name? Zelda's name. Yeah. Of all the people. <laughs> I'm, and I'm really good with names too. So that's that is weird. That and is I was weird. like, how Zelda? Forget you know anybody else, but Zelda. Come on. I'm sorry. Sorry, Zelda. It'll never happen again. You would never do that now, now that you're a fan. No. (laughs) What's your first memory of Aubrey? Mm, um, I don't think we met when I was here interviewing. I met you, I guess my very first memory was actually when you came in the, the food pantry and you told me, and Donna was here. You came just to visit. And I was, I don't know why I was here. It was late. And like Dave and Bobby and you and Donna were here. And y'all were in the food pantry for some reason. And I came to the food pantry for Oh, snacks. Oh, so that was, yes, I that I was. I bags or something. Yeah, that was when we were here last October uh, interviewing and talking with the elders and the council and all that stuff. And we were getting a tour of the building. Mm-hmm. And you just happened to be here. Mm-hmm. And we crossed paths. It was that's, like, oh, and and so you told me about your daughter being named after the other Aubrey that has endo like I do, and I was like, that's really weird. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> yep. Now it is coming back. So yes. Whoa. It, 
Hold on. <laughs> Unpack that for a second. Yeah, yeah. You're so, both named, both Aubrey's are named after the same? No, 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 no. So Help uh, me out here. So <laughs> my Aubrey is named in, oh, the, the year that Donna was pregnant with Aubrey, we were living in Harrisburg, mm-hmm. and we went to Wapakoneta, Ohio. It's where- um, Like you do. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> it was um, Neil Armstrong, the on the moon guy. Uh, that's where he's from. You can sell it however you want, man. Anyway, we were going to a, a church camp there to help lead, and we were like the program directors for the week for this church camp. And um, it was – anyway, there was a camper there, and her name was Aubrey. And she had um, – oh, yeah. I'm not sure the specific thing, but she had um, some sort of hereditary disease or something. I'm – you know way more about it. Um, I think and Donna it was, told me it was endometriosis. Yeah, some uh, which, uh, is, which I also had. Which is cysts in the reproductive organs or whatever. It's like it's, it's like, super painful. So there is a there the is a li- connection between the Aubreys. Yeah. and the name. Yeah. So it's where, like, look at the Jesus doing like the, the things. The lining of your uterus grows not inside your uterus elsewhere. Yeah, so <laughs> weirdly. So this wow. 16, <laughs> 16 year old girl. I mean, clearly there were moments you could see she was just in crippling, agonizing, like oh, cramping pain. Dang. And she would shake it off, smile, and go right back into being the counselor. Because the camp was set up that it was for kids from first to seventh grade, and then the high school kids were the counselors. And then there were adults there as well. And she just didn't let that slow her down because she knew her role, and she was getting to be— to to I mean to be example for Jesus for all these little kids mm. and so she was just like I'm not gonna let that slow me down and when we were think and Donna was pregnant with all, with her at the time and we were thinking about names and we were like that girl uh, that name was pretty cool mm. um, her name is Aubrey and then th- I think this is an even closer connection here too there's a song by a band named Bread. Yeah. Named Aubrey. I was named after that song. Yeah. <laughs> and then we told my parents, and my dad went down into the basement, found his record collection, and he found his bread album. Well, actually, it was a Perry Como album covering the bread song, oh. and he brought it up, and he played it for us as we like sat in their living room on I the couch. I have heard that, but I've heard the original, the bread song. <laughs> yeah, so uh, very connected. That is. That's so crazy. Yeah. All right. I th- I have memories, everyone. I forgot Thanks. about that. Yeah, there it is. Until you tried to remember your first memory of me, and then I remember <laughs> the. Fan. You remembered for us. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's good. I think we're good. Have a great week. All right. <laughs>